Hallelujah. God is good. That's right. All the time. God is good. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this time. We get to get in your word tonight. So much to talk about. We're just excited. We're ready to get in your word. We're ready to hear what you have to say tonight. Let us have ears to hear. Let us have eyes to see. We bless your name. Sanctify me as I give this word, Lord God. Give me an unction of your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this church. It's literally like a little office building here in Gallatin. It's under the ground halfway. You know that? There's, there's only that way out because that's under the ground over there. And I was thinking about, like, every time in the Bible, you know, it's always the underdogs. You know what I'm saying? It's always, it's always been like David was an underdog. You know, you just think about that because it's like, you know, I, I was like, Lord, we're going to start an office building here in Gallatin. But that's, that's kind of how the Lord works, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it's funny. When I was in high school, you know, I came from Cincinnati, Ohio, until I was about, what, eight years old? Was it? When I, yeah. Eight years old, we moved to Los Angeles. My dad got transferred and so Cincinnati was very much like Nashville. I mean, it's only, you know, what, four hours north from here, right? So very similar. So when we came to Nashville, it kind of reminded me of where I was born and very similar. My introduction to the L.A. Unified School District was literally getting my head slammed in the locker. That was like, welcome, you know. And so I had to quickly learn how to make big friends and learn how to fight, okay? And so I just, you know, it was like around junior high when I started thinking I was cool and being part of the popular crowd and this whole thing, right? Isn't it ridiculous when you think about high school? And uh, so anyways, but I, even at that time, though, I always had a heart for the underdog. Have you guys had a heart for the underdog? You know what I'm saying? I always would be, I wasn't like the mean guy, you know? I was like, the, like if I saw the nerdy guy, I'd be like, come here, man, let me, you know? Anyway. I said, so, and then I learned how to really fight because in LA you kind of have to, you know? So, I mean, our school, like, let me just tell you, Granada Hills High School, how many of you guys know California in this room? Some of you, okay, yeah, pretty good portion of you, yeah. At Granada, when I was in high school, there was drive-by shootings there, do you know that? So this was like the school that John Elway went to, right? So like Kennedy, which was the next school over, which was one school away from San Fed, San Fernando, and Pacoima, forget about it, okay? But even in Granada Hills, there was still gangsters because they would, bu they would bust them in in L.A. So they would take like the inner city kids and they'd bust them in to the suburban. That's the way it was at that time. I don't know if it's still like that. So I got introduced as a little suburban kid to the gangs that were like the real gangs, like, you know, that were from the major hoods in L.A. And... Um, Anyways, so I thought I could fight when I get, you know, here's what you would do. So you, would, you wouldn't go to, like, the smaller guys. If you want to be a tough guy, you pick the biggest guy. And let me tell you something about the biggest guy. The biggest guy doesn't know how to fight good because everybody's scared of him. So it's the little ones that are actually the scrappers, okay? The big guy, I'm going to tell you right now. So what, this was the trick. So you go to the biggest guy in the room, and he, I'm not a, that tall of a guy, as you guys can tell. And I would look straight up like this. And I'd say, what you looking at, fool? And I would literally sock the guy. And everybody else would be so scared of me, they would never mess with me after that. And that happened all the way until I got stabbed nine times and I learned my lesson, okay? <laughs> True story. True story. And, and so uh, it's just funny because people think like being a Christian, you're supposed to be weak. That's not true. You just, you just got to die to your flesh. And you can't be a punk. But uh, it doesn't mean you're weak. And I think that's where we got it wrong, though. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people took niceness as Christianity. That's not Christianity. 
we've got to take a stand. Even Jesus flipped the tables, right? So God is raising up a warrior class in this hour. And that's why I think a lot of people that were doing shenanigans. How many of you kind of got into trouble when you were in your teens? Let's just be honest. Let's look around the room. How many, okay, it's about half the room. And some of you guys were really good. My mom was really good. I think my wife was pretty good too, actually. She was a goody-goody, yeah. So it's about half and half here. So we got a good combination here, okay? But you know what? That's good because we sharpen each other because my wife tells me when I'm, when I'm doing something wrong, she's like, Todd. <laughs> so I need, that's that good balance, you know what I'm saying? So anyways, I don't know why I'm sharing that right now, but I just, maybe somebody needed to hear that. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Josiah tonight. And uh, so I had um, my friend Jonathan Kahn on this uh, last couple days, and he's going to be, so this week the show is going to come out, and he just wrote a brand new book called The Josiah Manifesto. And I, I think he does a really good way of explaining. You know what I like about Jonathan? He's actually a prophet that's warning, and I appreciate that because, you know, he talks about repentance, and I need that. We need that in, in our culture and in our world and in the church right now. And so it's, it started to be getting me think about Josiah. And so after that, I just started studying Josiah, and uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings 22, 2 Kings 22. And, you know, it actually really got me thinking how important Josiah is because Josiah's story, which is in 2 Kings, it's an example of faithfulness and reform. And I've been hearing this a lot, and I think it's true, is that God's raising up reformers right now. Because honestly, we can't keep doing what we've been doing for the past 30 plus years it is, my mom's word was spot on tonight. I mean, that's, that's from the Lord because it's exactly right. It's like, it, things have to change. We all know that. And Josiah was someone who actually was talking about holiness and revival. I started looking at this. I said, wow, this is, this is my heart right here. And, he's, uh, and reforming. And so if you got your Bibles in 2 Kings 22, we're going to read from the New King James. It says, um, Josiah, it's uh, actually I'm going to read verse 1 through 2. 2 Kings 22, 1 through 2. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, and a daughter, Adiah, probably botching these, and of Boscats, Kath. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside the right hand to the left. His commitment was to God. And, and despite his age, think about it, eight years old. I mean, my daughter's four, so like double her age. She's like, imagine her being in charge of the country. That's pretty crazy. Wow. Actually, Gia might be able to pull it off, honestly. She's already kind of running things at the house. <laughs> she probably could pull it off, but that's young. I mean, really. And, and yet he was wholeheartedly committed to God, despite his age. That's why we say don't despise their youth. That's what the scripture says. In fact, we had Stephanie's son up here. Stephanie in here still? And, and he was preaching up here pretty darn good a couple weeks ago. How many of you guys were here when he was preaching? That was amazing. So, hey, don't despise their youth. And it, it demonstrates the power of a devoted heart. And we need a generation like Josiah that's unwavering in faith regardless of age and regardless of circumstance. God is raising up a people with fortitude, with tenacity, with the ability to stand even in the middle of trials and tests. So we're in a building here. I just got to share this with you guys. It's kind of funny. So upstairs there's a medical office, as you know. 
And Dr. Stephanie goes to the church, obviously. She, it's her building. But right before service, I, she was looking at me. I have a hernia, and I need surgery. So uh, I've been clammy and having chills at night, trying to figure out what's going on. So this is how the devil's tried to hit me this week, you know. Uh, but it's all good. We're going to have it. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And so I was trying to figure out why I was nauseous and dealing with all this warfare this week in my body. I just, you know, and I, I, my wife will tell you, I don't normally stop, like, unless something's really wrong, you know. Um, so anyway, that's what's going on. <laughs> you heard Megan talking about some warfare. And uh, so on, on top of that, I had, like, another ailment simultaneously this week. So it was, like, two things at once. So, but then I remember when we were in L.A., we declared war on the devil from the stage. And you know what? We're going to win that war. We, we've already won it, in fact. Amen. And he ain't going to stop me from preaching. Some people might say, oh, I got to hurt you. I'm going to stay home. It ain't going to happen here. You know, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, we already talked about we're not shutting down. Okay. You know, we're, we're going to have tenacity. We're going to have stick to it in this. And I want to talk about this because, you know, in L.A., I'm just going to give an example. And I love the people of L.A. I was there for a long time. But if it would rain there, we'd see half the church not come. Am I, am I truthful? Rain. Okay. Um, you know, it, it, because it doesn't rain that much there. I will tell you that. In fact, I can't believe how much it rains here in Nashville. I forgot when I was a kid. But it's good. We like the change. I actually wish it snowed a little bit more. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't ask that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The people from New York are like, hey, hold on a second here. Hold on a second. Uh, but, you know, um, we, we've got to come when it rains. We've got we to be like the mailman, you know. We've we got to come when it snows. we got to come. we, we got to be really committed because a lot happens when the church assembles. That's why the scripture says, do not forsake the assembling together, brethren. Something very significant happens when we assemble. So I just want to give you the warning, especially if you're just coming to church recently, uh, I will tell you, my wife will tell you, the, the devil always tries to pull something right before church, okay? How many know what I'm talking about? He always tries to pull something before service because he knows that if you get in with the saints and you start praying, the spirit starts moving, things happen. Things happen when we get together. That's why do you think during COVID, what did, what did they target the church? What did they, of course, they targeted the church because they know when the church assembles. In fact, Gavin Newsom, he was like even crazier than anybody. He was like, even if you sing, you can't sing in California. Don't praise. Well, I don't think too many people listen to that, but, you know, they, they try to, you know, cancel singing. They try to cancel assembling of the churches. I don't know about you. Did anybody hear about a Buddhist place that was shut down? Or did anybody hear about a Muslim mosque? It seems like all it was was churches. And I've done a lot of digging on this, by the way. I have not seen any other faith group other than Christianity. I wonder why. Because the devil knows when the church assembles, something happens. So Josiah was, he was, he was, he had holiness on his heart. He was committed. He, he had revival, which is new life. What, what, in order for there to be new life, that means something has to be dead. Well, I'll tell you, and I'm not saying this to be mean, but I've been to a lot of churches. There's a lot of dead churches. And, you know, and so we're, we need that, like, you know, when they put the thing on, you know, we need the shock. <laughs> if we're not there right now, I don't know what, how much more. Mario and I did a show uh, this week, and we were, you know, highlighting some of the stuff they're doing to the kids. And I just think, what, how much more do we need? I mean, what they're doing to these kids is so grotesque and so evil and so demonic. And what they're trying to teach them, and uh, some people might have the pers not have the perspective that I have, but, you know, people call me from all around the country, and they say, you know, I have a child who's going through this transition. What do I do? And I hear from these parents, and it is heart-wrenching. 
and what they're going through. And uh, the fact that they're, they're kids, imagine you go to a school now and the kids, they, they like tell, you know, hey, your family may be the worst ones about your transition. They might, you know, they're like indoctrinating them against their family. Imagine you go to work, you got to go to work, you know, and you're, you're thinking, oh, here, they're, you know, they're going to be educated. And then they're brought into some room where they're told their parents are evil. They're, oh, your parents might come against you, but that's okay. We'll take care of you. And then people don't even know, like, the repercussions of this. I mean, we're only in the beginning stage. I mean, imagine 10, 15 years from now, all these kids that have recently gone through these transitions, all the hormone there. We don't even know the you know, what the medical conditions are going to be. I mean, there's so much to this. We just scratched the surface. But what really blows my mind is that the church barely talks about it. There's only some people talking about this. To me, it is like the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, if you, you don't even want to look at the pictures of some of these kids when they go through this thing, but it, it's awful what they're doing. And so we need revival. We need to get back to holiness. We've got to be committed. You know, my mom taught me this from a young age, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. If you say yes to something, be committed as much as you can. You know, obviously there's extenuating circumstances and emergencies and things like that. Actually, New Yorkers really get that. New Yorkers are, I have to give that to New Yorkers. They're very committed. If they say they're going to be there at 6 o'clock, they're there at 6 o'clock. Am I right? In fact, usually they're early. Now, in L.A., and again, I'm not trying to bag on L.A. I love L.A. I've been there for a long time. But you tell them 6, they're there at 7. I don't know why that is. Or they don't come at all. So anyway, we need to be there. I, I say be there early if you can. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. When you make a commitment, stand by that commitment. It's important because there's something to our word. And we're going we're gonna to make some proclamations tonight because God's put some things on my heart. If we go to 2 Kings 22 verse 8. This is the rediscovering of God's word. And this is all kind of, so the first one is the commitment to God. If you're taking notes, that's 2 Kings 22, 1 and 2. That's commitment to God. And the second scripture set is here in 2 Kings 22, 8 through 11. And this is rediscovering God's word. So it says this, and sorry about these names. They're kind of difficult, but it says, Then Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Sharpan, and he read it. And Sharpan, the scribe, went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Sharpan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Sharpan read it before the king. So here's the deal. This is the rediscovery of the law, of the book. And I really believe we're kind of in this phase right now. Even though things are really bad, and I can talk about all the egregious things, what I've noticed, and I remember I was speaking at a conference about two years ago, and there was a prominent speaker, and we were in the green room. We were talking about some things. This was when COVID was kind of still at its peak. And, and he and I were both agreeing that, you know, what I notice is people are hungrier than I've ever seen. And, and it's back to, like, we have to teach, like, Christianity 101 because there's a lot of people just hungry but haven't got good teaching. And, and the most important thing is getting into the Word of God. There's so many self-help books and this and that and all these different things, but, like, we need to get into the Scripture because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word. If you find a good Bible, you know, teacher, that's the best thing. I mean, you know, just get into the Bible because the Bible is literally going to come to life before eyes like it did with me when I started studying Josiah. And I said, oh my gosh, this is so, you know, exactly what we need right now. We need a rediscovery of God's Word prompted by deep what? Repentance. 
Oh my goodness, Josiah knew that we needed to repent. That's right. So in order to get revival, in almost every case, in fact, I would venture to say every case, before that, guess what happened? Repentance and a rediscovering of the word. So you know, there's a lot of talk about revival. Everybody's saying, we're having a revival, we're having a revival here. That's like the new buzzword. It's kind of like remnant. You know, I remember like 10 years ago, barely anybody said remnant. And now it's like you see remnant everywhere, you see revival everywhere, and that's great. I mean, I'm, I'm not mad at them, right? But the deal is, though, is like, you know, you can't just, I'm having a revival tonight. Like, you can have a meeting where you foster the environment where the presence of the Lord comes, but, you know, we're not declaring there's a, you know, we're, we're just saying, hey, we'd like to see revival. We want to have a move of the Spirit, you know, or we're hungry. But you know what I'm saying? There's a lot of churches throwing that word out there. We've got to be careful with that because if we really want revival, we've got to talk about repentance. We've got to, we've got to consecrate before the Lord. There, there's, a, there's a things that the Lord says we've got to do to get there. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, repentance. The Lord said when repentance becomes the message of the church again, we're going to see full-fledged full revival. Amen. We've got to talk about repentance. I'm excited, though, because I'm hearing more people talking about repentance now. Amen. Praise God. How long has it taken to get here? Are you guys hearing this a little bit more? A little bit? Yeah. It's, it's become a little more out there now. Thank you, Jesus. So the, the, the rediscovery of God's word prompted Josiah into deep repentance. That's what the word of God does. His kindness, his presence, understanding who he is, this leads us to repentance. Why? Because we get to know who God is. Faith comes from hearing, hearing from the word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, the word became flesh. Jesus is the word. The word is living. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't change. So I, I hear people say, well, we got to make Christianity relevant. Well, if you're saying that, you don't understand Christianity. It's always relevant. It's never not been relevant. Somebody trying to be cool like the world, they're not understanding it then, okay? Because that's not what it's about. It's so relevant that it's kind of, if we get in the presence of God, people start weeping. They, stay, they start being moved and touched. How do you get a hardcore gangster to, to, to give his life to Jesus? You know what? Bring him in a place where the Spirit of God is moving. You'll see that hard dude change real quick. You know, I know that happened to me, okay? And, and people never would have thought that I would have been a Christian. My father, same thing, very tough man at his day. Okay, he'll tell you that. And, and yet the Lord brought him to repentance. How many of you have been tough in your life and the Lord brought you to repentance? Just be honest, just be honest in here. Okay, some of you. Okay. How many of you had a little machismo, a little, little something, a little bit? Yeah, okay. All right, a little bit, some of you. Okay. We need a generation that seeks God's word earnestly and lets it transform their lives. There is a transformation that happens when you get into the Word. I always say this, I'll say it again, I've never seen anybody that is a lover of the Word that's not a successful person in life. Every single person that loves the Word of God becomes successful because the Word will feed your soul. It will, it will speak to you no matter what's going on. Now, I know some people say, I got ADHD or whatever, and I can't get in, I can't read. But now we don't even have that excuse because they have visual reading Bible. They've got audio Bible. They've got the Bible in every single form you could possibly imagine. You don't have an excuse. I'm a little more audio visual than I am reading. I'm going to be real. But you know what? I, I, I'm going to tell you, though, you can throw it on in your car. A lot of people like listening to podcasts. But listen, throw on the Word of God when you're going through traffic. You'll see what will happen. Your day will change. We have no excuse. 
And when you hear the word, I'm going to tell you, I've read through the Bible probably several times, the whole thing. I'm, but here's the thing about it. I always hear new things that I didn't hear before. And I'm like, wow, that was in there? It's crazy. God is always revealing new stuff to us. And he's always taking us deeper. And so that's why when the people come up to me and they say, I need a word. And look, I get a word sometimes. I'm not, I operate in the prophetic. But here's the thing. I always say, go to the word. Because if you need a word, go to the word. And you're going to hear the word. You're going to hear the words you need. Amen or oh me? Amen. Second Kings 23, 25. Here's where the reform takes place. Then there's a reformation. There's a reform that takes place. So I want you to see how this goes down here. It starts off, okay, we're going to go back again. There's a commitment to God. He's a commitment to holiness. There's a commitment to revival. We need new life, something shifting in the heart of Josiah. Then what happens? He rediscovers the word. The word is introduced. The word never returns back void. I'm going to tell you, if you got kids, teach them scriptures. I still remember from when I was a kid, scriptures that my mom put on the refrigerator. You know, I said, you need to learn this. I'm telling you. It does not return back void. When I was in my deepest, darkest time in my life, I'm going to tell you something right now, those scriptures started ringing in my head. When I was in trouble and there was no way out and only God could have spared me, guess what happened? I started remembering the scripture. Lord, remember me. You know, and, and that's what I started quoting the, the few scriptures that I had memorized. Memorized scripture. Talk to somebody from China. They'll tell you how important that is. When somebody has one or two pages of the Bible and they, and they literally teach just from that. Imagine that. Imagine how spoiled we are here in the West. We've got every Bible you can think of. You've got every version, every Bible. And, and a lot of people don't even bring their Bibles. I'm not mocking you if you didn't, but I'm just saying. You don't want to leave home without the sword. And, and just think about, there's brethren of ours right now that are being persecuted for a couple of pages. Think about North Korea. Think about China, even China. China. Think about it, right? So listen, um, let's read this. Josiah reforms, 2 Kings 23, 25. It says, now before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his might, according to the law of Moses, nor after him did any like him arise. Josiah's reforms abolished idol worship. I want you to see the sequence here. Because the word of God is introduced. When you get into the word, what happens? Strongholds start being broken. Because the truth sets the captive free. And so we start realizing the things of the flesh. Die to your flesh daily. We start realizing, hey, this isn't of the Lord. So you know why people are getting um, totally confused out there right now in, in syncretism and new age and it's creeping in the body of christ and all the all these people are listening to false prophets and things like that. you know why this is happening because they don't know the word because if they were in the word every day i'm going to tell you something right now friends they would not be confused like that because the word of god is going to be that lamp unto their feet it's going to order their steps it's going to guide their path and when somebody gets off somebody could start off real well that's why the bible talks about finishing well we got to finish well. A lot of people start off well. And the different things take root. Pride. You know, they, they start getting into a certain position and then their head gets big or whatever. That's what, so, so we have to discern and test the spirits. And I always tell everybody, including on the radio show, everything we do, I say, look, you don't have to trust me. Go into the word. If I'm not saying what's in the word, don't listen to it. Study yourself to be approved. 
Get into the Word of God, but it should bear witness in your spirit. If you're in the spirit, it's going to bear witness. How many of you have met somebody, and within five minutes, you can just tell that they're in the presence of the Lord? Amen? That's called discernment. Now, that same person, if they get caught up or messed up or whatever, they, you could see them the next time, and they might not be in the spirit. That's why we've got to continually test the spirits and ask the Holy Spirit. And this happens, by the way, with leaders. We've seen this happen far too many times, and it's unfortunate. But this is why we as believers, it doesn't matter who, who we are, what we do, what our position in life is, whatever. You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, I don't have a ministry. You know, everybody got a ministry. Because if you think about this, the Bible says, go and make disciples of the nations and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You know what people are looking for? They're looking for a title and a position. Now, there is the fivefold. And that's important because leaders are held to a higher standard and we have to have accountability and there's is important, you know, leadership is important. Otherwise, you have no structure, right? But the deal is, is a lot of people today see something online and it looks pretty to them. That's what they want. They don't want to do what it takes to get to that place. They just want the title. And so this is what Josiah is doing exactly correct here. He, he's, he's literally going through this. I'm going to do it again just in case you didn't take notes. But he makes a commitment to God, number one. Then he discovers God's word. When we make a commitment, so we raise our hand, Lord, I accept you as, as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. We do it every service. So the next thing, if that's you and you've done that recently and you, and you can hear what I'm saying, listen, do the, listen to Josiah, what, what he did. The next thing he did was he got into the word. He rediscovered God's word. And then after that, number three, there's a reformation that takes place because you start looking at your life and now you understand truth has been revealed to you through the word of God. And, and you get to know God because you see what his word says and how he, you know, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what's sin, what's not sin, what's the fruit of the spirit? How do you operate in the spirit? How do you operate in the gifts of the spirit? That's all there. A reformation starts taking place, and he, he abolishes idol worship. So this should be the next step in our life. As we get into the Word of God, we start looking. We say, what have I made idols in my life? What's become an idol? Look, it could be something as simple as you like soap operas. I mean, I'm not really happening anymore. I'm kind of dating myself. But I was actually once on General Hospital. Funny story. That's my mom. Uh, that's old school. Hey, I think that show's still going on. I don't know. It's like one of the longest shows on TV, The Simpsons and General Hospital. Yeah. I wasn't on The Simpsons. Yeah, I'm positive. But I was on General Hospital back in the day. People say, hey, what were you on? I was on Jake and the Fat Man, General Hospital, Who's the Boss, 30-something. Most people that are like millennials are like, what are those shows? I've never heard of any of them. The one they do know is General Hospital. <laughs> But no, anything could be an idol. Seriously, anything. Your, your, your job, a relationship, uh, being single. Hello. There's a lot of people that I know, and it's like, look, I was single for a long time, a long time. And I pastored as a single, so I'll tell you, I understand. Okay, in fact, there was people that told me, don't come preach here until when you get married, we'll have you come preach. I was like, what about Paul and Jesus? Like, I never understood that. Like, what's wrong with me? You know, might not able to preach now but uh but here's the thing about that okay i'm going to tell you as a preacher there's a lot of married people that wish they were single there's a lot of single people that wish they married just enjoy the season you're in and just get closer to the lord in that season and as you're serving the lord something's going to happen in your life he's going to take you from glory to glory we've got to be just comfortable in whatever season that we're in whatever season god has us in you notice how the guys got real quiet in here all right. 
comprehensive reforms. So what's the role of the church today? Number four. We gotta, we gotta think about Josiah's example. He had a commitment to God, he rediscovered the word. We implement reforms. Here's number four, there's a call to holiness. I can't wait to hear holiness talked about more. I think it's coming. It's starting to come now. Consecration and holiness is so important because this is where the anointing comes from. What do you mean, Todd? Well, what I'm saying is God is a patient God and he waits on us. And you know what? We could be saved, but if you really want to walk in the anointing and see the gifts and see what God's really going to do, you got to be consecrated. Because he says, what place does light have with darkness? We, we shouldn't want to, so I see a lot of carnal Christians, especially in, in, the, in the greater body, not so much here at, at the remnant, but there, and there may be some, but what I'm saying is there's a lot of carnal Christians in the, in the Christian world. Uh, we were talking about this the other day, but like 60% of America still considers themselves Christian, either Christian or Catholic or Protestant or, you know, some form of denominational Christianity, right? Some, some element of Christianity. Now, of course, we know that 60% of the country isn't serving the Lord. That would be amazing if it was. But think about the fertile uh, harvest out there where, you know, you could go up to somebody and, and, and they, they believe in some way of God. They, they, so they're open to it. And then when you're, when you're coming in with the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you start speaking to them, and, and they, there's already an element. There's like a form of godliness that they have, but they just haven't gone further. So the harvest is so great, friends. That's why we're going we're gonna to really shift because I, I've been in this like, you know, conference world and, you know, the past couple of years and like all these different things. And, you know, I've been in a lot of green rooms and, you know, I was talking to Jonathan Kahn about like the return, which they had this big, huge event in D.C. where like thousands of people came out, were blowing the shofar and, you know, and I was there and he was there. We were talking about it the other day. But the deal is, is like, you know what? What happened to outreach? What happened to like, you know, discipleship and mentorship? And what I realized is like, it's not as glamorous because you're not like on a live stream, like, hey, here I am discipling Jimmy at, you know, this coffee shop. You know, if, if people want to like show the, you know, the big crowd, you know, and that's good. I'm not against that. But I'm just saying like, you know, if we get back to outreach, we get out the four walls. Look, we come together and we, and we strengthen in faith. We exhort, we encourage, we get into the word of God. We're filled up. You know, we're having a hard week. We come in here, we pray, we lay hands over your sick. Something's going on, you know, and then we're empowered. It really starts when we go out though. And this is what I feel like we've lost. You know, it's like, it's like a lot of times we leave and then we just wait to come back to church. Am I being real or what? And it's like, how did that happen? So, so God really put this on my heart this week, and I said, you know, we're going to make outreach a real big deal here yeah. at this church. Amen. This is going to be, because you know what? It's about multiplication. In fact, I don't want to just, I don't want to take people from like all the other churches in town. Look, that's going to happen anyway organically, but here's what we need to do. We need to take unchurched people, yeah. and we need to get them in here. Because there's a lot of people on multiple medications right now. There's a lot of people depressed in this city. There's, I, I guarantee you right now, listen, you go down downtown Nashville and there's a ton of people thousands of people that are out there getting drunk tonight right now right here in Gallatin there's like hundreds of bars I'm not even kidding you like all around the Hendersonville and you go down right here on the main there's bars and there's people that are in those bars right now wallowing away in their misery and you know why that is? Because the church has come in the walls for too long we stopped making disciples we stopped mentoring and we stopped doing outreach so this church, I want to be known for outreach. Yeah. 
We're going to have a prison ministry. I'm telling you, we're going out. We're going to go out to the highways and the byways because we got we to gotta be the change. God is raising up a Josiah generation of people that are reformers, people that are walking in the unction and gifting of the Spirit, that are being led by the Spirit, that have a heart for holiness and consecration and purity and righteousness, that are going to get back to the Word of God and what it actually says. If not us, then who? If not here, then where? If not now, then when? We have a unique time right now. We talked about it last week. The Spirit of God came last week. Oh, it came. It came in the service. And every week it's been a little bit different because I feel like every week he's taking us a little bit deeper. And he's equipping this. this I'm excited. How many of you were excited to come? I was excited to come to church tonight. That's how it should be. Like, we should be excited. It shouldn't be like a dreadful thing. Oh, I got to go to church. I'm not bagging up. Well, maybe I am. I'm the Catholics, but I'm just going to tell you, when I was a kid, when I used to go to church, I did not want to go to church. Oh, mom, please, no. We were raised Catholic before we got spirit-filled and met the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't want to go anywhere near that. I, I hated it. I'm going to be real with you. I hated it. God wants us to be excited about getting into his house, excited about the presence of the Lord. We should be dancing around this place. Freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You know, Pastor Jack Hayford, he was influential in my life, went to his Bible school and worked for him for a while. And I'll tell you something about him. Um, you know, he, he, him and Cy Garib, I don't know, some of you might know Cy, but that was his worship leader. Uh, who knew, somebody over here knew Cy Garib? Who knew? No? Okay. Yeah, a couple people. Yeah, some people here knew him. Cy is one of my mentors going way back, and I love this man. He might be listening right now. Precious man of God. But he taught me about worship. And there was something, um, well, first of all, the Lord says he inhabits the praise of his people. Okay? And so worship is extremely important. And he would have, his philosophy was you start off in high praise. Because you, you, you start off in high praise, you inhabit, you know, he inhabits the praise of people, and then you get into the throne room. And so we're going we're gonna to teach this with the worship team in this next week. I, I haven't had the time yet, but we're, we're in town, we're going to do this. Because there's a, there's a real important understanding of how to get into the praise. And, uh, you know, there is a time where you speak and you share from the Lord, but it's, it's really important to high praise into the throne room experience. And, and what happens is this, the glory comes. The glory comes, and, and so when that, in that moment of the glory, there's more ministry that takes place sometimes during that period than even when I preach. That's why worship is, is there's a lot of warfare on the worship team because the worship team is a frontline ministry. And so we're going to really focus on the worship team here. So, the, you know, the Lord's been just giving me revelations this week, really big ones, you know, but outreach, worship, and uh, the children's ministry is important too because at this church, we're not just going to be babysitting service. We want to teach these kids to be Gideon's 300 warriors, okay? Come on. It's a Josiah generation. There's something that's happening. We, we're, we're a generation of reformers. Now, I'm going to speak something real bold right now. Okay, but this, this church right here, as you guys can tell, I mean, you know, tonight we have a few seats, but there's been a couple nights recently where we haven't had any seats. And the deal is, is that, you know, we're going to outgrow this space, and there's a nice little church down the street, okay, that's been vacant. And it's, it started off as $3.5 million, okay? That's high. But somebody spoke prophetically, and they put this thing in my heart, and it bear witness in my spirit. So I want to speak it to you because I know there's some intercessors in this room, okay? Now, look, if it doesn't happen, it's not God's will. 
But check, check this out. This last week, it went down a million dollars. And all of a sudden, I saw the listing says 2.5 million. I said, oh, we're getting closer. Now we need to go down another million dollars. But that place has more than enough room for 300 people. We need to have a minimum of 300 because we're raising up a Gideon's 300. And so we're going to start off in the new space with 300 seats or, or more. And th but that, I just want intercessors, just put it on your, put it on your refrigerator, wherever you got to put it, because I know God is up to something. And we are in a time where there's suddenlies happening right now. I, I've known not to, I've learned not to limit God, okay? We can't, I'm just done, I'm done limiting, look, what he's done in my life, how can I possibly limit God? Right? We can't. So we're just going to declare and decree that, that building, if it's your will, God, let the remnant take it over in Jesus' name. Bring it down to 1.5. We declare it right now. Hallelujah. Now, I'm just going gonna, gonna to make some promises right now, and you can hold me to this, but the outreach center is going to grow. This is a revival center. I want to see movement every day of the week. I want to see, see people coming off of drugs and alcohol. I want to see people getting equipped. I want different workshops and trainings. Some of you, you got a heart for marriage. You want to you train people in a godly marriage. You know, all right, let's do it. You know, some of you know worship. Some of you know, we're, we're going to train and equip. It's an equipping center. The hour is so late. You got these Planned Parenthoods all over the place trying to indoctrinate our kids, trying to, trying to rob this generation. You know, YMCA, it started off good. They went woke. We need tripping and, a, and a, this is a new out. It's different. There's a reform that's happening. You feel it. You sense it. There's reformation in the air. It's a Josiah generation. I knew when Jonathan said it the other day, I said, God, you're up to something here. Something's shifting. Something's changing. That's where that word was so on. Last week, we talked about it. The devil's been trying to tell us it's done. It's finished. I'm saying the opposite. It's just started. Right. He didn't bring us out here to Nashville, Tennessee to say, okay, now you're done. Go ahead and get a little hole and die. He said, come on out here and take back the territory for the kingdom of God. It's time to put tents up. It's time to get into the city. It's time to get the drug, drug users. Yes. Reformers. God is raising up reformers. Implementation of reforms. A passion for worship. This is number five. Josiah reinstated the Passover and restored worship in the temple. You know what? I'm all about, I, I, we got to do hymns. Let's do like one hymn every service. Seriously. We've got to do hymns. You know why? Okay, so here's another thing about worship. There's, there's what they call vertical worship and horizontal worship. Horizontal and vertical. Horizontal means I am a friend of God. You know, it's a nice song. It's good. But when, you, when you're going vertical, you're like, God, I need you. Jesus, you are holy. You see, you're speaking to the Lord. You see the difference to that? So we got to understand the lyrics are very important. Why do you think they've tried to usurp the Christian music industry? All the shenanigans going on. I know some of these guys personally. Now, there's some real deal people in there, let me tell you. But some of these people are all in it for the show and the money. And I'm telling you, we, we've had events. We've had events. Um, We've had events where they've said to me, well, in the green room, can you have a couple Bud Lights in there? And you're about to lead worship? This is what's going on. This stuff's been going on for years. I hate to tell you, we've been grieved so many times in green rooms, I can't even tell you. I understand why PKs and, and people that have been around a while are so discouraged, because I've seen it all. The only reason why I'm here is because I had an encounter with God, and he spared my life. But I've seen so much nonsense in the church, I'm over it. 
We need reformers. I understand, like, look, I'm not against, I, look, when you're older and you got to get to a place, and I understand you sometimes you need a private jet, things like that, but I see youngster ministers like me or younger, and, and they need to go, like, one city over, and it's like 15,000 a leg. Dude, you can't really get on a TWA or, you know, whatever flight, Southwest, I mean, you can't do that. I'm just being honest, okay? Because I can think about that. How many $15,000, how many people in our community would be blessed by that 15 grand? Now, again, I understand because people that are doing a lot of stuff and it's tiring. And look, I hate the airport, okay? And when I've been traveling a lot, I can understand it. And I'm, I'm only in my 40s, okay? But what I'm saying, though, is some people have abused. They just want to take the picture of the plane. In fact, I see more pictures of planes on Instagram than I see people's winning souls. Things are getting weird. But that ain't going to fly anymore. And I'm not here to, like, call out people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, look, we've got to be a people that hunger and thirst for righteousness. We've got a people. Look, you know what? It's like I'll sit on a Southwest flight if that means that we can help some people in Gallatin to get saved. You see what I'm saying? I mean, if I'm sitting here saying, hey, I need tithes because we can't even afford a building, and then you see me at a private place, like, something ain't right, you know? My house is fine. Like, I don't need to move into a mansion right now, you know? Can I be real? got real quiet in here. <laughs> Listen, God wants us to be blessed. Okay, I'm not against blessing. We don't have to, like, take the poverty vow today, okay? I've seen the blessings of the Lord. Okay, I'm not trying to get weird on you right now. But I'm just saying there's been some weird stuff going on for far too long. God is looking for reformers. He's looking for people that are going to actually be real. And you know what? Just take it to the Lord at least. Lord, is this you? Do you want me to do this? What's the best way that I can please you? What's the most effective way that I can win souls for the kingdom? You know, I got to tell you, we were just out in L.A., and one of my dear friends at Mario's Crusade, you know what? He didn't even take an offering one night. That's, man, I've never seen that before. He didn't want to interrupt the spirit of the Lord moving. You were there. Two nights. Two nights he didn't take an offering. I haven't seen that in modern Christendom. I'm going to tell you right now. We need more of that. And I'm not saying we don't take offerings. I'm just saying when the spirit prompts and you're moving, you just go with what the spirit, you know what I'm saying? You don't want to interrupt the flow. You have a fear of God. And you know that that's a trust. God, you're going to provide. I'm going to tell you something right now. I pray double portion. When you, when you obey the spirit, I've seen his faithfulness. If God says go, you go. If God says don't go, you don't go. That's the whole thing. We've got to be reformed. Reformers are in the presence of God. Reformers are hearing from the Holy Spirit. My sheep hear my voice. Call to holiness, a passion for worship. Josiah reinstated the Passover and restored worship in the temple. And we have to have a passionate desire for worship in spirit and in truth. Number six, and we're almost done, prayer and seeking God. Like Josiah, let us be a generation that seeks God's guidance through prayer and intercession. We need to be people that are intercessors. What is intercessor, Pastor Todd? That's, that's somebody who's warring in the spirit. You go into the, in your prayer closet. And threat, I, I was talking to a dear man of God today, and he was telling me his father, he had calluses on his knees because he was praying so much on the threshing floor. Man, you show me a guy like that today. Come on. That's what we need. Somebody that's praying somebody. I'm going to tell you right now, that man was blessed. 
There's an inheritance there in the spirit, in the supernatural. Something very special. If you take prayer that seriously because your life, just like the word, I've never seen anybody that loves the word and is in the word all the time and unsuccessful. I've never seen a prayer warrior lose because the scripture says I've never seen the righteous forsaken or go begging for bread. You're going to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit if you're in prayer. Let me tell you right now, that's going to happen. It's a two-way conversation. We can't be the people that come in here, sit, have one night, get encouraged, and leave, and then wait till the next week. We've got to people. This is just literally the .0001 of our week. We go out, and we make disciples of the nations. We go out, and we represent Jesus. We go out, and we pray and lay hands on the sick. We go out, we recruit. I see people recruiting for these pyramids, these multi-level marketing. They're more, they're more zealous than 99% of Christians. I'm going to tell you, I've had a couple run-ins with Jehovah Witnesses. you got to give them credit. They put the tables up. They come to the door. I even had some woman at the mall come up to me and say something about Mother God. She was sincere. I said, you're sincerely wrong, but at least you're sincere. <laughs> My wife, were you at that one? She was there. She laughs when that happens. There, oh, here we go. <laughs> Roll up the sleeves. <laughs> the Jehovah Witnesses came to our door. How many times? One time. They never came back. Our house is marked. That's where the preacher lives. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying it because I love to share Jesus. Because I have a love. Listen. There's only one person you're allowed to have a love affair with other than your spouse, and that's Jesus. But I'm in love with Jesus. I say that so sincerely. I can't live. He is the air I breathe. Hallelujah. How many know something's going to shift, something's going to change when the church understands what this means? Josiah generation. Number seven, one more after this. Compassion for the lost. Josiah reforms included turning people's hearts back to God. We must have a heart for evangelism and reaching the lost with the message of salvation. You don't have to be labeled an evangelist to have a heart for evangelism. Some people walk in the fivefold gift of evangelism. I happen to walk in that gift. But I'm going to tell you something. Every one of us should have a heart for evangelism. Every one of us, and I want you to test this in this congregation, this group. Go up to somebody and say, what are you studying in Scripture? Where are you at right now? And I want every person in this room to say, I'm in the book of Luke, or I'm doing... If, if they look at you a little funny, lovingly hug them and say, remember what Pastor Todd said? We need to be studying. Here's question number two. How many souls did you win this year? Listen, you can say what you want about my friend Roddy, but I'm going to tell you something about him. He wins souls. Amen. Thousands. He's just been on a 10-city tour in Africa, and you can go on his Instagram. There's thousands and thousands and thousands. He makes it about souls. Mario makes it about souls. I hang out with soul winners. Why? Because I know he who wins souls is wise. Hang out with soul winners. Become a soul winner. Think about your year. Literally, they do this in multi-level marketing. Why aren't we doing it in the church? Right. It's literally the Great Commission. Right. It's like the one, it's like the main thing, the one thing he told us to do. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying like comparison and getting crazy like that, but I'm just saying, like, think about it. How many souls have I won this year? Right. And if you haven't won any, I'm not here to bag on you, but it's like, hey, it's time to get to work. Yes. Yes. 
We did this thing in L.A. at the church where we called it Everyone Win One. Maybe we need to do this again. And what you do, we're going to print these T-shirts, all right? Everyone Win One. Everyone's going to buy these, okay? Here's what we're going to do. You wear the Everyone Win One shirt, and when you're wearing that, we as the church know that you just brought somebody. And then we love on the person that you brought. If every person in here just wins one person, do you understand the church doubles? But we're not doing that for numbers. We're doing it for the kingdom. We're doing it for souls. This is what we need to do. We need to get back to being an effective church. Don't tell me the multi-level marketing salespeople can do it better than us. They don't have the anointing. Well, the gifts come with that repentance. But I'm, I'm just saying, we have more anointing. We have Holy Spirit anointed for souls. That's what God's heart is. His heart is souls. Number eight, courageous leadership. Courageous leadership, if you take notes. Josiah showed strong and courageous leadership. We need leaders in the church who will stand for righteousness in a world that opposes God's truth, the word of God, which is the truth. And we need to be courageous. Uh, Pastor Artur is a friend of mine up in Canada who's been literally jailed for holding service. Unbelievable. He's, he's, he was in solitary confinement, okay? And, and now he's out, but he just won his case, and it's all done now. And he's coming back to America. In fact, I want to I go down to this conference that I said no to just because I want to see him, because he's going to be there. You know what I'm saying? I want to just give that dude a hug. You know what? He stood. We need pastors that will stand, even if it means your freedom. Courageous. God is going to honor it. Sometimes he'll take you through a Job season where he takes everything away. But then what happens? You get a double portion. Amen. So in these challenging times, we need a Josiah generation. If Lance, you could come on up here right now. In the church that's committed to unwavering faith, rediscovering God's word, passionate reform. We're called to be light in a dark world, turning our hearts back to God and leading a revival. How do we do that? Holiness, consecration, seeking the heart of God. Turning back to the scripture. This is a church of Josiah's, reformers. And there's a reason why God had me speak about this tonight. It's a season of consecration and separation before we go into the destination. Consecration and separation. We need to, get, we need to stop touching that unclean thing. There's, there's some people in here that have been going to the bar still. Drink it. I'm just going to be real with you. Look, I was there at one point in my life, okay? Some of you are still smoking a little bit of marijuana. Some of you online, you know what I'm talking about. The deal is, though, is that that's going to separate you from what God has for you. And so God is looking for a people that are willing to put down. You know, I just read a statistic today. 65% of the church is looking at pornography. 65%. That's a staggering number from Barna. What are we doing? And then we wonder why America is the way it is. The church ain't going to have the power if we're sitting here living that way. That's why consecration is the message. That's why repentance is the message. Why do you talk about repent so much time? Because I know if you truly do it, and I truly do, and we truly do it, we're going to see not only a victory, this whole city's going to be changed. I'm going to tell you a story before we're done here. My friend uh, out in Hawaii, Wayne Cadero, he has a church out there. And I remember going to Hawaii like 20 something years ago and that island had and they still do but it was all prostitutes and this is in Honolulu drug addicts 
and uh, it was like a capital for like people would go on their vacation and they'd go out there and they'd get prostitutes and things like that. And I remember going back like five years later and then going back like 10 years later and something changed there in the island. You know what? That, that church that he has, they started planning church. It's only, it's only so big, the island. They started planning church. You know what they did? When they got a certain size, they would, they would send out a group. And every single part of that island, it's still there today. They have, they have churches all over. Now they go into Maui. They got a Hope Chapel in Maui. They got one. My friend Alex Michelle, pastor, one of them. All over the place. That whole island has changed. And I'm not saying it's perfect. But you go into a store there, and you'll hear somebody playing Christian music now. You go... Things shifted in that city. And I want to tell you this. Tampa, my friend has a church in Tampa. That city has changed. There, there's something happening in Tampa. There's certain cities in this country that are revival epicenters. And I believe Nashville is one of them. And he's put us here strategically not to come in and just, oh, hey, I'm blessed and highly favored and love everybody. Hey, here I am. And then go out. No, he's, he's brought us here to be reformers. He's brought us here to everyone win one and then some. I'm going to look forward to the day that we got a tent. I mean, you know, if we're still here, we'll put it up in the, in the parking lot, you know? We need to get out of the four walls. We need to get out to the community. And so we're making this vow to you, Lord. This church is going to be a church of reformers. Hallelujah. We're going to be a church of reformers that have a heart for you. We're not going to just be business as usual. We're not going to fall into that same nonsense that we, some of the things we talked about, Lord. Just bow your heads right now. Hallelujah. Creating us a clean heart. Renew a right spirit, God. It's not a mistake that you've taken us here. Our, our journey, everything that's happened in our life has led to this moment, this time period. You've taken us to this season. A lot of things have been said. And some people may not agree 100%. That's okay. I'm human. But here's the thing, Lord. Something was said here tonight from your word. It was about consecration, holiness, purity, reform, getting back into the scripture, being a people of God that are willing to stand, being courageous, being different, being set apart, a Josiah generation, God. Let us be a Josiah generation, a people that go back to the word, back to what you said. There's going to be so much fruit from that, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for integrity. Let us walk in, in, in an integrous way, Lord. Let us be humble before you. Say, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and you lift us up. Let us walk in humility. I just pray, Lord God, that this season would be, we, we talked about a building. We talked about the community. Just, just birth these visions in our heart. Birth these passions so that this church of reformers will make a difference. Not just when we gather, but Lord, this community, let it be impacted for you. There, there's, look, we could be in the middle of the biggest economic collapse, Lord, but it doesn't matter. You're going to bless this group of people as we stand for souls and for kingdom business. We're not in this economy. We're in God's economy. There's going to be people that are probably going to be committing suicide on Wall Street. But, Lord, there's going to be people in this room being blessed because they've made it about souls, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, friends, thank you so much for tuning in to this Sunday's service. I'm so blessed that you tuned in today. Hopefully you got something out of this. 
Uh, we are encouraged at what God is doing at the Revival Center and all throughout the Remnant community online. You know, the core group is available. You can join the core group by going to my Facebook page and you can see that we put up links there every so often on how to join the Remnant Core. We'd love to have you. And uh, that's for anybody who considers me their pastor. Also, in order to give or tithe to this ministry, you can go to pastortodd.org and just scroll down to where it says give. pastortodd.org and scroll down to where it says give. And it gives you many different options on how you can support the many things that God has us doing. We want to hear from you. You can email me at todd.coconado at rlcus.org. That's todd.coconado at rlcus.org. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you soon.